0: This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Durenda.
1: Howdy, howdy-do, everybody. It is episode 159. It's a beautiful evening here in I was going to say sunny, but it's not sunny anymore. Jake
0: has forgotten how to speak.
1: It is dark. No. What do you mean? How how did I forget to speak? I'm just recounting what's going on here. We pressed
0: record and then you sat there in stunned silence. No,
1: I did not. Maybe I did. I don't know. You know, there's like a 14 hour time difference between us. So the fact that we can even talk at all is quite stunning itself. That's how I was was just amazed. And so I thought I'd take a moment to uh, just reflect on that. Hey. Everybody, welcome to episode 159. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We've got a good show for you. We've got up to, we've got three different releases today. We have got four different items of news, and then we've got a bunch of packages to go through. We've got no tutorials, so none of us trying to explain all of the code on air. You can thank us later. And in fact, one of the ways you can thank us, we're going to put this at the top of the show, is you could actually write a review. I just looked at our reviews, knowing our latest review was, Michael, our most recent review, a year ago. I don't know. A year ago. A year. Well, that's the latest one that they wrote a comment on. We may have gotten like ratings, actually, I guess, but no comments. So, yeah. Hey, feel free to leave us one if you'd like to. But you know what? What's more important to start out the show with is actually a shout out to our sponsor today. Honey Badger is sponsoring the show again. And we are going to be talking about their amazing new product, Hook Relay, a little bit later in the show. You probably know them because of their amazing error monitoring service, which is awesome. But they have a new product called Hook Relay, which we're going to be talking about a little bit later. Which is to do with webhooks and how you can use webhooks in your application really easily using this new product. So thanks, and uh, which, Honey Badger, and yeah.
0: which we definitely spoke about on this podcast before any other podcast, no other podcast. That's correct. Spoke about Hook Relay nope, first
1: ever. Nobody ever else. Just us. That's right. Hey, um, Michael, should we jump into releases? I was, you know, as I was reading through. Let's do it. In one of the other comments, my feelings were a little bit hurt because they said they could do without the useless intro conversations. <laughs>
0: so I figured, hey, you know. Fortunately. Yeah. Fortunately, we chapter mark our podcasts, even in the audio form. So you can just skip straight through to the first not intro bit.
1: You know what, Michael? I appreciate that. You do that every week. It's a thankless task, and you put in different images and you put all the chapter markers in and it's really, really nicely done. So yes, folks, you can actually skip around inside the podcast to the different bits. So if you hear something you're not interested in, no worries, just skip forward to the next to the next chapter marker. Nicely done, Michael. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. Okay. You got it. Let's talk about those lovely releases starting with 8.78. I'll jump right right into this one. Okay. We've got the ability to add custom rules to default password validations a merge if missing request method, asserting batch counts and tests, and some other changes. So let's start with this extra default password validation rule. So Ash Allen contributed the ability to define custom validation rules that will run as part of the default rules, password rules, rules using the rules method. So you have a passwords default, and then you can define if you'd like to have a a minimum length, if you'd like to include symbols as part of your validation, if you'd like... Uh, to require that they put an uppercase and a lowercase. Uh, You can make sure that it checks with have I been pwned to make sure that this is not a commonly compromised password. And then they go to a different set of rule sets that you can use ZXCVBN rule, apparently. So you can define your own rules where you can say, I don't know, you can make them whatever you want to be, right? Hey, you can't include the letter Z in your password, or you can't use this common word or something. Who knows? I have no idea what other rules you'd put in there. But now you can have your own custom rule that you can pass in to this password uh, validation. So there you go. Pretty interesting. Very nice. David Peach contributed a merge if missing HTTP request method that will merge new input into the request's input if the key is missing from that request. For example, if you uncheck a form checkbox, it is not sent to the server. So you might have to write something like this. Um, you, You know, a lot of times what I'll do in that case is I will always put a, a default checkbox beforehand, like a zero and I'll like, uh, name it the same thing. And then if Mm -hmm. the next one is checked, it only gives you the latest. And so, um, I'll put like a default to zero and then I'll put a one afterwards. But in this case, uh, you can now define values that are uh, that are merged with the request if it's missing it. So you can say, Hey, if the request happens to be missing this Boolean setting, you could do it probably in your controller on the other side, rather than having to do it in your front end. Uh, So you can make sure that it never gets missed. So that's pretty cool. Chris Anthos contributed an assert batch count method to the bus facade, which asserts how many batches have been dispatched. So you now have the ability to, you know, batch jobs together and then get status on those jobs. So This is a new test method that allows you to assert the batch count at any point in your tests. Uh, Lars Klopstra also contributed a to HTML string method to the STR and stringable classes. So before you used to have to do HTML string and then wrap in a string of content. Uh, Now you can just chain it on fluently uh, with a to HTML string uh, or arrow HTML, uh, which will do the HTML string class. It's the exact same as wrapping it all up in that. So just adds it fluently. Very nice. A couple other uh, bug fixes in here, which you can read all about on GitHub, of course, where they store the full change logs. Thanks so much for all those changes, everybody. 8.79,
0: Michael, on to you, my friend. Yeah, releases after releases after releases. This one here, paginator on, oh, hang on, Laravel 8.79 was released with uh, a new paginator on last page method, which was contributed by Johan van Helden that does what it says on the tin. It will tell you whether or not you are on the last page of the paginator. Next up, Leo Colombaro contributed the ability to use variatics for dependency injection when calling a callable. So you can pass a uh, variadic variable to your bindings in the container. I won't try and explain mm. it, but it's there and it's mm. there if you need it. Next I've not up,
1: used this a whole lot before, actually. Have you? Where you say instead of app bind a class, you actually app call a closure? Is that what this is?
0: Uh, this is where you're... That's kind of what it looks like, huh? This is where you're um, calling the the item out of the container that you have already bound. So you've got this two, okay. two separate oh, things. So the okay. binding would be in your service provider and the app call would be somewhere sure, else sure. in your application. Yep. Mm. Okay. Um, but yeah, worth casting your eyes on it than us trying to explain this because I'm going to have a real yeah, bad it's, time. it's
1: a bit of a... Yep, that's a bit of a tough one. Okay, go ahead, my friend.
0: Uh, next up, Dries Vince contributed a natural language full-text search for both MySQL and PostgreSQL for your application. So if you've got a fairly lightweight database or something that you don't need to invest in spinning up Algolia or Mila search, you can just use full-text searching directly on your database migrations. So we can say, provide a full-text index across your columns. And then when you query the database, you can say, db colon colon table where full text and then pass it the fields that you want to search that you have already full text indexed and then search for the string within there so definitely check that out if you're wanting some simple uh, full text searching in your application next up travis elkins contributed two stringable methods when contains and when contains all to the string class the when contains all method would work the same way as when contains however the string must contain all the expected matches to make the condition true rather than a single one, a uh, single value. And Travis Elkins has also contributed other stringable methods in pull request, in a separate pull request. There's an ends with and exactly and is and is ASCII and is UUID, a test and starts with. So it looks like Travis has taken over the mantle from Caleb Pauzio, who used to be the string king. But that's the main things here. Obviously, there's a whole host of fixes and changes as well. They didn't make the show notes, but you can check those out. Uh, Sorry, didn't make the the main body of this one, but you'll be able to check all that out in the show notes.
1: Indeed. All right, up to 8.80. So the first one that we have here is Luke Downing contributed the ability to define a controller for a route group, meaning you don't have to repeat a controller uh, that is used if the group uses the same controller. So Taylor tweeted this. Uh, So imagine that you have something like a... Oh, let's just, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I want to use the same example here. I suppose we will. You have route colon colon controller. And then in that you specify what controller you're going to be talking about. So in this one, they use placement controller. And then after that you do group. So the group is not new, but the controller method is so. In that group, then what it's going to assume is that all of the methods that are going to be called from this are going to be from the placement controller. So you don't have to repeat it every single time. So typically you'd have to do uh, route get and then you name it and then you specify the controller and then you specify the method. You don't have to do that anymore. Now you can just specify route get the location or the name, uh, not the name, but like where you're going to have to navigate to in order to get that route. And then what method you're going to c- call on the controller. So the controller thing is completely removed now. You don't need it anymore because you specified it in the controller method for that group. Uh, so similar to how you would set a middleware for an entire group uh, or a auth or something like that for a whole group, right? I can, whatever. Now you can set a controller for the entire group and it allows you to not have to repeat yourself. So that's pretty nice.
0: I think just just on that, before yeah. we skip on, I think the, the thing that I saw most commonly re- spoken about in this was when would you use the controller method on the route rather than using a route resource and i suppose this way is if you're going to have non resourceful methods or if you're wanting to have some kind of nesting so in the context of the the placement controller you've got an index and you've got a bills that all go through the same controller so i don't think it's something that you would typically see spoken about like it's not the kind of thing that you would kind of bundle all these things up into a single controller we would you know, I I for one would use more resourceful controllers, and I would try and keep all the things bundled. But sometimes, you know, in smaller applications, in places where it makes sense to you as the developer, you might want to put you know related things into us into the same controller just to keep things all um, tidy in there for for grouping purposes. So I think that's that's probably the the main thing. You know, if you're if you're definitely wanting just those resourceful routes, or you know you want to be explicit in your controller rather than doing, you know, a route resource only or accept or whatever, then this may be this is certainly another option available to you now as of laravel eight to, 8 to eighty eight. Eight to to eighty. Yeah, well put. I was
1: Yeah, I was going to say the accept or the only uh sometimes I know that's caught up some people before. Mm. And so just being a little bit more explicit about exactly which ones you're doing rather than having it just kind of magically defined. Um maybe A little bit more helpful uh, Mm. for some people, just depending on how you how you like to write your code. Indeed. All right, Jason Beggs contributed a Blade render method, and what this does is it uses the Blade compiler to convert a string of Blade templating into a rendered string. So you can imagine you'd have something like hello, and then curly brace, curly brace, dollar sign name, and curly brace, curly brace. So that's a little Blade string, and so now you can do Blade colon colon render, pass in that string, and then as a second argument, you can pass in the values that you want to be available to that string. So you'd pass in an array where you have a key of name and a value of Claire. And when this renders, it would say, hello, Claire, right? So the blade that you would normally write, you can pass in as the first argument. And then any data you want available to that blade uh, snippet, you would pass in as the second one. Uh, This is nice because it also supports blade directives. So if you had if and else and end if or auth or guest or any of these directives that you would typically use inside of your blade, you can do that here as well. And also supports components, so like x-test or x-header or something like that. Any of the components you'd normally write inside of Blade, uh, you can get support for that in here as well. So this is really, really cool. And actually, I have uh, something that we kind of hand-rolled that does this very same thing, and I will be replacing it with this instead because this is a much better way to do it. So nice job, Jason. Thank you. PHP Redis serialization and compression config support. Peter Levitanov contributed the ability to configure PHP Redis serialization and compression options instead of needing to overwrite the service provider or define a custom driver. So the PR introduced the following serialization options. None, PHP, JSON, IGBinary binary, MSG pack, and the following compressor options none, LZF, ZSTD, LZ4. So they're now available and documented inside the Redis Laravel documentation. Uh, again, this just gives you the ability to uh, do this inside of the options instead of overriding the service provider or having to define a custom driver. You can get these serialization and compressor options straight from within the uh, options for the Redis hmm. connections. Okay, that's eight dot eighty and that's all. So that's all the releases we had for today. Okay, moving Perfect. on.
0: Laracon online. Join us. Join us on the ninth of February 2022 for this year's Laracon Online Winter Edition. The big news for this particular one is it will be free for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. everybody. For the first time ever, we'll be streaming so cool. Laracon for free on YouTube, allowing us to reach the entire Larabell community, which is a huge moment. An experiment for the Laracon online team. So, thank you to our incredible partners for helping us achieve this Titan, Jump24, Century, Kirschbaum, and Vehicle as gold sponsors. We've got Dev Squad, Tara, Linode, About You, CuroTech as silver sponsors, and to our community sponsors as well Street Group, Honey Badger, and DevStats. And there's still time. So, if your company would like to partner for the event, there are still a few spots available uh, to jump in on there. The speakers were announced. Uh, we've got Luke Downing, Ryuta Hamasaki, Polly Washburn, Craig Morris, Shruti Balasa, Kristen Collins, Aaron Francis, Marcel Possiot, Taylor Otwell, Steve McDougall, Caleb Porzio, Freke van der Herten, Erica Heidi, uh, Rory McDaniel, Zuzanna Kunskova, Ashley Hindle, and Steven Reese Carter. Lots of new names and there, lots of new faces. I'm very excited that, you know, it's, I think Taylor tweeted this the other day that. Um, a bittersweet part of the community is that lots of people grow and move beyond the core of Laravel, you know, Adam's moved on and Kale is kind of, I mean, he's speaking here, but we've got people like that um, that don't necessarily speak as much, but it paves the way for new speakers, new ideas, new faces, all of that good stuff. So I'm very excited to see new speakers presenting at this year's Laracon online. And if like me, you can't watch it live, there's no problem. as all the talks will be recorded and available online for viewing at your convenience shortly after the conference ends. So don't forget to mark your calendar for the 9th of February and join the conference for free live on YouTube. For complete details, you can check out the Laracon Online website. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel and get notified when that goes live. And if you want some sweet new desktop images, they have Canico and Flick Nelson have put together a whole bunch of different variations and different color schemes in light and dark, in in uh, in mono and in full color. So definitely check that out. I'm excited to see how this uh, this experiment goes. I'm excited for people, you know, the world over, just just have access to these presentations as they happen. Laracon online, you know, it's it's I say only a twenty nine dollar ticket, whatever it normally is, it's still out of reach for a lot of people. Um, So it's great to be able to see that we're in a position as a community to be able to put on this kind of. Presentation this kind of conference online for everyone, no matter where they are or what their financial standing is, or, or anything like that. So, kudos to the the Laravel and Laracon teams for for putting that all together.
1: Indeed, I love it. I think it's a great idea. It's going to be really really cool. Uh, I think this allows them to, you know, since they're doing it on YouTube, uh, all the stuff that are normally big limitations with Zoom, right? How mm. many people you can have join, and you know, do you have the stuff in order to support it and get it all going going well? Although, I mean, the barrier to entry is pretty low with that. Just using YouTube and live streaming without having to do any sort of authentication or anything like that just hop on and watch it is gonna be pretty cool so that's gonna be great yeah also we will be having a watch party like we do every single time in Bloomington so if you happen to be anywhere in the Midwest feel free to drive over and join us the uh, we'll put something in the show notes and I'll be tweeting about it as well uh, we have a couple of folks coming from around. Uh, But there is no location on the website currently for parties like there has been in the past. So we'll put something in the show notes. And uh, if you're interested, you can check it out there. Okay. We have also got a Laravel pipe through collections. I'm wondering, this says it's news. I guess it's not a package because this is core, I guess. Yes. Yes. So we have Laravel 8.78.1 introduces a new pipe through collection method. And this allows developers to insert an array of pipe callbacks that can manipulate the collection. So let's talk about this. So it looks like Steve Bauman might have been the one who created this. He shared an example that might help us visualize use cases of this method. Uh, So let's say you have a process where you're iterating through different health checks and attempting to filter the collection uh, by health checks that failed, if you uh, think about it that way. So we'd iterate through all of those checks and we would see if any were unsuccessful. And if they were, we would notify their users of each failed check. The pipe through method is a flexible way to run whatever collection code you have through a series of callbacks and invocable classes. Uh, but the implementation is really, really simple. Uh, again, as we've tried to promise you before, we're, we're not going to try and, and um, read the code online here. But essentially, that's the idea. You get a group of uh, callbacks or um, invocable classes, and you can pass all of your collection items through that using the pipe through method in the collection class. There is also a related method, just pipe, which accepts a single callable and returns the result of the executed closure. Uh, But if you'd like to read more about it, you can see that on the pull request 40.253. And you can also see the list of complete changes between 878 and 878.1 on GitHub as well, if you're interested to see it there. Again, I have been using something that is a package that Zangle put together, which does something very similar to this, where you have like a carrier that carries through mm-hmm. and then you pass it through a list of different closures or different functions and uh, and then it pops out on the other end, uh, which is really helpful. It's a great pattern, actually. So the fact that it's now in core is pretty mm-hmm. cool as well. So check that one out. Yeah, the,
0: the pipe, right. piped actions thing is fairly common. Uh, if you have a look at the Forge CLI or the, or the Vapor, CLI tools. If you ever dive through that source code, they they use the the action pipelines quite a lot. Uh, so it's a it's a good good place to get a look into that in the wild and how it, how it might be useful in other places. Indeed. Uh, and next up, the Inertia team announced the release of server-side rendering for Inertia JS. It is finally here. They've been working on it for a long time. I remember speaking to Jonathan about this. Gosh, it must have been about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer that he thought he'd cracked it. So it's great to see that it's finally here. It's in, they've tagged a whole heap of releases to support this. So it's in server version 0.1. It's in Inertia 0.11, Inertia Vue 0.8, inertia View 3 0.6, React 0.8, and Inertia Laravel 0.5.1. Uh, so Inertia JS applications written, on, or written in Laravel or Rails now have the added benefit of pre-rendering the initial page load on the server and sending the HTML to the browser. And SSR enables users to interact with the page faster and helps search engines crawl pages more quickly. The most significant thing about this is that typically SSR means that your server side is written in Node.js and that something written in PHP or Ruby is out of the question. But the beauty of SSR in Inertia.js is that you can write the server side application in Laravel or Rails as you normally would. And under the hood, Inertia.js renders the HTML via a separate Node.js process. When Inertia detects that it's running in a node environment, it will automatically render the provided page object to HTML and return it. Um, So SSR is available for Vue for Vue 3 and React as of the release announcement, and the Svelte adapter is in the works. So you can get started with server-side rendering by checking out the documentation and setup guide. Now, this is a big feature. As I said, the Inertia team has been working on it for a very long time. Whether or not you need it, is dependent on your application. If you've got an internal application or it's in, entirely authenticated, if you're not worried about search engine optimization and things like that, you may not need to worry about it too much. But it is there, you know, and it's and it's quick and easy enough to to get up and running in your application if you if you wanted to do that. Like if it's a quick win for you, even if it is an internal application and you're not worried about SEO, then uh, then definitely check it out. Congratulations to the team on getting that done. I know that Claudio. Becker um, has has been sponsored. You know he works for Laravel, um, but he's been you know he spent most of December and and part of early January working on this to get it to fruition. So thanks to Taylor as well for for giving back to you know these these community projects and making sure that they they get to keep living and breathing and and serving the community at large.
1: Absolutely, very good stuff. Very good. A new major version of Ignition debuts in Laravel 9. So the team at Spatie released a significant new version of Ignition, which is the default error page for Laravel. And this new version of Ignition will debut as the default error page in Laravel 9. You can also install it, uh, backport it to Laravel 8 applications. Um, so here are some of the major features available in this new version of Ignition. Uh, the ne- it is a framework agnostic ignition package for PHP projects. There's light, dark, and auto themes. You can save settings from the error page to the .ignition.json file. You can have sticky error messages always that always stay displayed. Uh, you have a customizable open-in editor to open in your preferred editor. You can collect dump calls and display them in a separate tab. You can show queries made during the request with query timings. And you also have sharing options for Flare. Not only is it ready for the next generation of Laravel options, but a uh, sorry Laravel applications, but a framework agnostic PHP version is also available as well. The framework agnostic version also supports solutions using the provides solutions interface, and it'll be interesting to see if this package gains any traction in any other areas of the PHP ecosystem. So the one thing that's really nice about Ignition is it allows you to have some of these solutions as they talked about. So mm. If uh, it detects an error, it can say, hmm, I think I recognize that error. And I think that typically happens when you've forgotten to copy your env.example into a .env file. So it'll maybe suggest for you, hey, did you create a .env file? You might want to do that. And it can suggest how you do that. Uh, It can say, hey, it looks like you haven't run your database migrations. Maybe try running that. So instead of some cryptic error that may be difficult for a newer person who hasn't experienced that error to understand, uh, in addition to the error, it can suggest a solution as well. So when they say that they have this framework agnostic version, this will be interesting. Like, will something like Symfony pick this up and um, use this and start providing their own Mm. solutions to Symfony-specific errors? Or what might that look like? So good job, uh, Team Spassi. Very
0: cool. It's my turn, isn't it? <laughs> onto packages. <laughs> onto packages. It is your turn. And you, yes, onto packages. <laughs> I couldn't remember if you, were, if, you were, right. if you were attacking on or if that was your, your bit. But uh, I'm back in the room. That was my and bit. That was your bit. That was my bit. I'm Caleb good. Porzio right. released a new focus plugin for AlpineJS, which allows you to manage focus on a page. And what is neat about this plugin is that it allows you to trap focus within an element using the X trap directive. The Focus plugin allows supporting, uh, also supports nesting dialogs, which tracks newly trapped elements and tracks the previously focused element. When the element is no longer trapped, it restores focus to where it was initially, allowing for intuitive nested tabbing. Other features include arrow focus navigation between elements and an advanced focus API to help control focus on a granular level. You can check out the official Focus Alpine JS documentation if you'd like to learn more. Uh, it's nice that, that Caleb is putting all of these plugins together that he's sort of been building out as part of the, mm-hmm. the Alpine components that he's also been building. So the the drop down and the modal are available now. So definitely check these things out. They're all going to make your life that little bit easier, uh, especially if you're looking for some level of interactivity without wanting to or needing to go to a full-blown view or React setup. So definitely check it out. Absolutely. Hey, have we talked about Saloon
1: on here before? I feel like we have.
0: Uh No, I don't think so. Only This was only announced five days ago. Okay, interesting. Maybe it
1: was on our other podcast we talked about it. Mm. It probably was. It probably was. We did. Um, yeah, it was actually. I remember now. I remember now. Okay, Saloon. Saloon is getting the second dose here. Write API integrations in Laravel and PHP projects with Saloon. So Saloon is a Laravel PHP package that allows you to write API integrations in a beautiful standardized syntax. So the heart of this package is request objects. These objects define how to get specific requests from an API. For example, to get a Laravel Forge server, you may define a get Forge server request class. And so when you're using this, you can just say new get Forge server request. And then you could pass in any arguments that you'd care to pass in there. You can add headers, you can add configs, you can set headers, you can set configs, and then you just say request send. And then when you get it back, you say response JSON. And the request class might look something like this. It extends a saloon request and then you can have the method that it's going to use. So like a get method. You can have a connector, which the connector defines. Probably, I would guess the connector defines, is it your endpoints? points? Mm. Um, your set
0: your base URL and things like that, yeah.
1: Your base URL, yeah, right. Your base URL, anything you'd want to use for mm-hmm. authentications, like some headers that you'd always want to send along with, all those things. Uh, and then in your... Get Forge server request. You would just define the specific endpoint, not the base URL, but slash servers slash, and then the server ID that you'd pass in when you were making the request. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also define default headers inside the class. Uh, Here are some of the object-oriented fluent systems that this provides you, um, or some of the features it provides you with. It's got a simple syntax. Uh, You don't have to worry about the Guzzle HTTP facade, Curl. Uh, You can organize all your API integrations in one place. You can add on your own functionality with plugins. It's got powerful interceptor logic to customize the response. It supports guzzle handlers for unlimited customization. And it also has coming soon mocking requests for testing. In addition, this is not only a Laravel package. This is framework agnostic Mm -hmm. as well. So you can learn more about this package, get full installation instructions, and view the source code on GitHub. So this is uh, by Sam. Sam, what's your last name? Sammy Joe 20 is your, is, um, uh, Sam Carré. Sam Carré. Thank you. Yep. I just had to think about it for a second. All right. So there we go. Sam, nicely done. Uh, this was in addition to the other popular package that we've talked about, which was, uh, um, Laravel Transporter. Lasso. Lasso. Oh. Well, and Transporter was a different one as well. That's, um, uh, yeah, Sam Carré wrote Lasso, but the S- Laravel Transporter is uh, another one you're talking about, which the uh, specific. is similar yeah. to this one. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly.
0: Speaking of uh, sending API requests, if you have ever had to integrate your applications with third parties like Stripe, GitHub, Slack, or Trello, then you may have noticed these things called webhooks. And if you want quality webhooks like Stripes, for example, it's more than just sending a JSON payload to your customer's URL and calling it a day. That's where Hook Relay from our friends at Honey Badger comes in. Hook Relay is a service that makes sending and receiving webhooks reliable, secure, and transparent. And it all happens automatically users are amazed at the visibility they've gained into their webhooks and without hook relay you have no idea how many requests you're processing with hook relay you can watch your traffic inspect each request and even resend requests for testing it's like having x-ray vision into your webhooks of course if your app or your integration partners are being flaky you will love the peace of mind that comes with knowing that no matter what happens hook relay will make sure that your webhooks are delivered Skip days of grant work, rolling your own webhook system and get reliable webhooks for your app in minutes, not days. Go to hookrelay.dev to get started and check webhooks off your to-do list. You can get started with 100 webhooks relayed for free, 100 per day for free. Check it out, hookrelay.dev. The website looks
1: awesome. It's incredibly ridiculously easy to get started with. And we can say from experience that this is, in fact, a lot trickier thing to get right than you might think of. Mm-hmm. It's one of those items where you get bit by it only after the fact. After you tried to implement your own and you forget about some of the things mm-hmm. that they've already got built, it can be sort of a pain. So, yeah, if you're having to provide webhooks to clients of yours as any part of your offering, you might want to check this yeah. one out. It's a, it's a good especially, one. Sure. Especially
0: tracking the webhooks after they've been sent so you can provide feedback to your users to make sure that you know we tried to send this it failed we retried it we retried it eventually it succeeded things like that Exactly. Being able to replay it for testing and um, all of that stuff you know sending the webhook is the easy part it's all of the ancillary stuff around the edges um, that you want to take care of you
1: got it you got it exactly all right we've got another package here called hours helper and what this allows you to do is create a collection of dates and or times with a specific interval in minutes for those particular periods. So let's imagine, for example, that you want to create a dropdown where people can select uh, periods of uh, time that are spaced 10 minutes apart between your available open hours and close hours or something like that, right? You could do that yourself. Or with this, you can just do hours helper, colon, colon, create, specify the start time, eight o'clock, specify the end time, 9.30, and then specify the amount of minutes in between each one of those periods of time. So 10. And in that case, what it would do is it'd do 8 o'clock, 810, 820, 830, 840, 850, 860, uh, sorry, 860, 9 o'clock, <laughs> 9, 10, 920, 930, right? So it would go ahead and generate all those for you. The other thing is that you can actually pass a fourth argument, which allows you to define the date formatting for each interval of time. Further, this helper can deal with intervals past midnight and into the next day over multiple Mm -hmm. days so it'll handle that for you as well which is interesting yeah i know i feel like i've needed this before i definitely have needed this before and had to kind of build it myself these date intervals these date time intervals and so this is a this is a pretty nice one that it kind of has you know the tests are already there it's already built it's already written this looks like a pretty cool one so it's just one of those like handy tools to have in the back of your mind these these are one of those packages that I remember that we talk about them, and in six months, I'm like, oh, there's a package for yeah. that. Like, I remember, uh, you know, we'll be writing something, and I'm like, oh, that's right, we talked about this. And then I'll go back to Laravel News and yeah. find it, and sure enough. Yeah, um, this I mean, this is, stuff so. is
0: built into PHP. There's a date-time interval or a date right. interval, but yep. it, if you've ever used it, it's it's a bit nasty, and you've got to use the, it is. This, 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 this the, the specific syntax, like P1S10D or whatever. You know, you've got to use that stringy yeah, syntax, it's and odd. it's... Mm-hmm. Like it's a standard and it's documented and that that's fine, but it's not how humans, you know, consume and build those things. So it's nice to have this hours helper as a wrapper over the top of that, especially if you, if you ever needed to do this. Um, you know, I, I've definitely done the date interval thing before and this is much, much nicer. Absolutely. Next up, we have a media upload component for Vue 3. It is a component for multi-image upload and it provides previews as well. It supports creating and updating images and handles the uploads for you. The package contains two components, one for uploading new images and another for updating existing images. The component uploads images as multi-part form data and the server returns the unique temporary image name. The main form submits media data as a hidden input, which is then copied into its final location. That uh, does what it says on the tin. And it's always nice, like the handling of the file uploads is kind of the easy part, but having some kind of nice... Upload experience, preview experience, all of that kind of stuff, uh, is is we start getting into the the nitty gritty bits and pieces. So it's nice to have a a package that you can just drop into your application and style as you need it, and then go from there. So you can learn more about this package, get full installation instructions, and view the source code on GitHub. We'll have links to that as well as a fully featured demo application that implements this package in Laravel. And um, the package author also has a t- tutorial on how to upload multiple images with preview using Laravel and Vue. We'll have Links to all of that in the show notes.
1: Awesome. One last package here. We've got Migrator, which is a GUI migration manager for Laravel. So if you've been using Laravel for long, you probably know what a migration is. So this is schema updates to your database. So if you are doing continuous integration and you're running all your migrations as soon as you deploy, that's well and good. But not everybody has the luxury of doing so, Michael Dorinda. And so I know that there are occasions where you need to be able to have a, in this case, an interface in order to be able to create, migrate, delete, and roll back your migrations. So this provides a simple interface that's powered by Livewire that enables you to see the status of each migration easily, refresh my refresh your migrations uh, using your configured database database, and run <laughs> migrations. This is also something that could be useful in uh, just a dev environment Mm -hmm. right so if you're in your local environment and you wanted to just test some of these out or you need to be able to see what's going to look like before and after uh, those sorts of deals and you want to do it in a gui interface and only provide this when you're in the dev environment you could do that as well so by default migrator ui is locked down with an auth middleware and you can configure both the route of the migrator and the middleware group that runs for the migrator route uh, when you add new migrations via the GUI, the appropriate migration file is added to your project as if you run the artisan make migration command. So you can learn all about this package, get installation instructions, and view the source code on GitHub, of course. Michael, talk to me a little bit about your situation with migrations. You guys have a bit of a—I know you made a video just recently where you actually were doing some migration stuff. I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing. Talk to me about your little migration situation. Uh,
0: oh, it's not anything crazy. It's—we're um, using. Samuel Stansel's uh, multi-tenancy for the Laravel package. And so part of that is when okay. we sign up a new customer. Ah, interesting. We we have like yeah, an internal sure. dashboard that we can go in and we can create a new tenant. And then we go and seed their database. So that'll go and run, or we'll run all the, the migrations to spin up that new, because we do a multi, multi-database sure. multi-tenancy. So each tenant has their own database. Yep. So this will go and create the new database. It will then migrate and seed that database and set it all up. So... Um it's not like it's not weird in terms of how that works. It's probably a little bit you know most yep. applications you're just gonna have tenants at i d s and things like that on a single database so yeah I've definitely done crazier things with databases, yeah indeed I
1: remember I remember yeah. some of the crazy things you've done with I think databases, probably the trickiest thing with multi tenancy
0: is the way that it kind of swaps it out on the fly um so you you yeah, kind exactly. of have like yeah. your your landlord or your central database which manages all the tenants. But then because each tenant has a database, if you're switching between tenants, you you only ever configure a single connection and then you kind of swap the credentials on top of it at, like, at runtime. So based on the domain sure. or whatever, it'll go and look up the tenant, it'll go and find that, and it'll just set the database name for for all of that um, for each tenant. So that's kind of where the, the weird stuff happens, the dynamic database switching.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. We should talk more about this on Laravel, or not, not on Laravel News, but on our North Meet South mm. podcast. I want to hear some more about that. Sure. We should do so. If you're interested in hearing about that, tune in next week for the North Meet South podcast. We'll talk about that a little bit on there. Hey, Michael, that brings us to the end of the show today. The uh, well, so anything else to talk about before we wrap this bad boy up? No, that's it. That's all I got. Wow. 39 minutes. That's it, folks. No banter, no pre recording, you know, chit chat. I hope Nothing. you're all happy. Episode 159, Laravel News dot com. Sorry, actually, podcast dot Laravel News dot com slash 159 for show notes. Rate us up in your podcast of choice if you'd like to. That'd be amazing. Uh, five stars is always appreciated. And of course, hit us up on Twitter at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News if you have any questions. Also, you know, I was trying to actually, have you heard of, um oh man, what's it called? Now it's going to lose. Now I'm going to forget it. Olipop. Have you ever heard of Olipop? I have not. Oh my gosh. It is like this amazing soda alternative supposed to have like probiotics and like no sugar. It's like Stevia and stuff in it. But their grape soda is freaking amazing. And I was like trying to get them to be like, hey, (laughs) send me and Michael a case every month and we will talk about you on the show. How fun would that be? (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see. Olipop. And by the way, if you haven't tried it, you definitely should. Grape Their Grape Olipop Soda is so freaking amazing. It's so good. Okay, that's all. That's Excellent. all I wanted to say. If you stuck around this long, then you get an extra little bonus tip about Olipop. Olipop. So there you go. Hope you're happy. Very all nice. right, everybody. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye.